0: Uh, Thank you, Mr Speaker. My question is to the Prime Minister. Does the Prime Minister have confidence that each statement Minister Cash has made to the Parliament in relation to the circumstances surrounding the Australian Federal Police raids of the AWU was truthful?
1: The Prime Minister has the call. Well, thank thank you, Mr Speaker. I have complete confidence in the Minister and Senator Cash.
2: Is it on? Look, I'm going
3: to uh, shirt front, Mr Putin.
4: I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. No, wait, it it is on?
5: Uh, You bet you are. Uh, You bet I am. I
0: don't like it.
5: Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate.
0: Well, may we say God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. Hello.
6: Hello and welcome to episode 42 of BuzzFeed Australia's political podcast. Is it on... I am recording this on the afternoon of Wednesday, the 30th of May. My name is Alice Workman and it is Cash Wednesday, baby. Uh, Lane Sainty is in Sydney. Uh, Nick Ray is currently on a plane. And so tragically, I am alone for this update before I throw into the recording of today's Twitter live show. And look, it is a huge episode. We had Revenue and Financial Services Minister Kelly O'Dwyer on the show. She had a chat to me about Barnaby Joyce getting paid to do an interview and also deciding to go on personal leave. We also had a chat about the breaking news about Michaelia Cash being issued with a subpoena to give evidence in front of the AWU's court case into the legitimacy of the raids on their offices in October last year. We also had a quick chat about Super and abortion because she's the Minister for Women. Gina Rushton, my BuzzFeed colleague from Sydney, also makes a cameo in the show. The delightful Amy Ramikas from The Guardian Australia also stopped eye wearing, uh, I mean, you can't see it in the podcast, but she's wearing a leopard print shirt and a sequin jacket and just looks a million bucks. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, uh, Miles Morgan from SBS and Rachel Baxendale from The Australian literally ran from Old Parliament House to our offices just to be on the live show. It was wild. They were great. Um, But before we kick things off, I just wanted to flag up front, there is an update
5: it's
6: now time for another Michaela Cash update. Uh Michaela Cash held a press conference today, a very rare occurrence. I was not invited, but I decided to attend anyway. Uh she said that she would be fighting the subpoena from the AWU that was a was reissued today. So it's been it was first issued um in December and then reissued in March because the case has been pushed back uh and delayed until the AFP investigation has been completed. Uh, so, despite the subpoenas being issued today saying that she, uh, they asking her to appear in person on the 1st of August, has actually no guarantee that'll be the date because we have to wait until the AFP's investigation was over. But she said some interesting things at her press conference. The government's strategy over the last seven months with Michaela Cash has basically been to just shut the F up and not say anything. And they hoped that by not talking about it, they wouldn't draw any attention. But in fact, it's actually had the opposite effect and amplified things because we've been able to turn around and say, hey, it's been 218 days since Michaela Cash has answered any questions about this. And with the investigation dragging on and her not answering questions dragging on. It has just been piling up and piling up and piling up. So she decided to front the media today uh, and claim that, you know, this timing is all a big stunt by the Labor Party and the unions and she's being bullied. And, in fact, it's actually Labor who are running the cover-up about the ROC's investigations into the donations made to get up when Bill Shorten was head of the AWU. Michaelia Cash has denied that she's been in hiding, even though she doesn't really hold many press conferences. And, (laughs) interestingly she finally addressed that whiteboard incident once and for all. The whiteboard, uh, the whiteboard oh, can I... we have got to be very...
2: OK, the, I had nothing to do with the whiteboard. Can I tell you, you think you were surprised? You should have seen the look on my face. I was the one who was surprised. I believe it's parliamentary security have taken full responsibility for what occurred... We advised many journalists of that on the night. Uh, Reports, unfortunately, were not changed. uh, But they have answered questions on notice and they have been very, very clear. I had nothing to do with it. My office had nothing to do with it. Uh, That was something
6: that the Department of Parliamentary Services took upon themselves. And I have to say, Mikhail Cash is right on this one. In answers to questions on notice from March, overzealous security guards put their hand up and said... It was us. It was our idea to roll out the whiteboard. It actually had nothing to do with her. But despite her repeated calls today that the Labor Party are the ones that are covering something up, Michaelia Cash again refused to go back in front of estimates and answer further questions. And she also refused to answer my questions about whether or not she has been interviewed by the AFP or, in fact, given them a statement or had any kind of contact with them. She flat out refused to answer once again. Uh, you know, so you say to... it's a cover-up, but you, w- you won't answer despite being asked more than <laughs> 10 times yesterday if you have been interviewed by the AFP, if you've had any contact with the AFP. Have you given a statement to the AFP? Unless, unfortunately, for all, I
2: think you and I both know that yet again this is subject to an AFP investigation. And can I again confirm, for the record, it is not an AFP investigation into me. It is not an investigation into my office. The police commissioner himself made clear at estimates last year it would not be appropriate to comment. But as I have consistently said, and I again said in uh, Senate estimates yesterday, the absolute extent of my knowledge is as set out in the days after on Hansard record. That is the extent of my knowledge. Thank you very much. Australian,
6: Australian politics. politics. Yay! Now, all of this is up on our Facebook page and my Twitter account, so you can check it out. So, But before I get carried away into the giant pit that is Cash Wednesday... Uh, let's get on with this week's podcast. As always, you can hit me up at Workman Alice, and we are at BuzzFeed BuzzFeedOzPoll on the Twitters. And thanks for listening. Bye. I like the like
1: the I like I like The woman.
6: Welcome back to the BuzzFeed News Bunker here in Parliament House in Canberra where it is another Sitting Week edition of AusPoll Live. My name is Alice Workman. And we have, frankly, just a huge show for you this week. But first off, in some breaking news, the Federal Court has reissued a subpoena for Jobs Minister Michaelia Cash to give evidence in the Australian Workers' Union court case challenging the legitimacy of the raids on their offices in October last year. Now, it should be worth mentioning, these subpoenas were first issued by the AWU in March And BuzzFeed understands that not only has Michaelia Cash been reissued with a subpoena to give evidence, but the AWU will also be subpoenaing her former media advisor, David DeGarris, and the Fair Work Ombudsman official, Mark Lee. Now, of course... This is all kicked off last year when the media was tipped off about the raids by Michaelia Cash's former senior media advisor, David DeGarris, who subsequently resigned. And the AW case challenges the legitimacy of the investigation by the Registered Organisations Committee into donations that the union made to get up when current Labor leader, Bill Shorten, was in charge. Now, the interesting thing about the AW court case is that it's actually been put on hold indefinitely until the Australian Federal Police's investigation into the media leaks has been completed. Now, we had the AFP Commissioner Andrew Colvin in front of Senate Estimates last week, where he put his hands in the air and said, we don't know when it will be over. There is no timeline, no estimated completion date. So it looks like we won't actually be seeing Michaelia Cash front up in court anytime soon. And look, We're not going to see her front up in estimates either. She was meant to appear in front of seven estimates today alongside the Registered Organisations Commission and I'm sure the Labor Party had a truck ton of questions to ask her but she is a no-show, sending along Assistant Minister Zed Seselja in her place. So it's unlikely that we'll hear anything from Michaelia Cash today. So instead, I'm going to put a few questions to her colleague, the Financial Services and Revenue Minister Kelly O'Dwyer, who will be joining us here on the set live in a couple of minutes. If you've gotten any questions for Kelly O'Dwyer, you can hit me up with the hashtag #BFOzPoll. Any questions whatsoever, I'm sure the Minister really wants to hear about Super, but maybe you've got some other issues that you'd like to ask her about. I'll also be joined by Amy Ramikas from The Guardian Australia. She'll be here to chat about Michaela Cash and Senate estimates, and a bit later on, I'll be joined by Miles Morgan from SBS and Rachel Baxendale from The Australian. But let's go to the biggest news in Parliament House today. And it, of course, is about Barnaby Joyce. After a week of controversy over his decision to take a paid television interview, the former Deputy Prime Minister and Nationals leader has decided to take an extended personal leave from his parliamentary duties, effective immediately. So he's not here today. And that will run until the end of June, meaning he actually won't be back in Parliament until after the winter break, which will be in August. But if you add up the sitting days, it's two weeks, uh, two days this week and then two weeks next month. So it's actually not that many face-to-face days he loses in Parliament House. Now, Barnaby Joyce's colleagues say he's been under a huge amount of stress over the last year, not only did he split with his wife of 24 years and have a son with his ex-staffer and new partner, Vicky Campion? But let's not forget, last year, we also found out he was a Kiwi dual citizen and he got booted from Parliament from the High Court and had to survive a by-election. Nationals backbencher Andrew Broad said, look, if Barnaby wants some leave, give him some leave. Quote, leave him alone and hopefully he'll come back and contribute to the direction of of the country in his own time. The thing we always need to be mindful of is that members of parliament are people too. But not everyone agrees with that. Darren Hinch, the crossbencher at Human Headline, says Barnyard Barnaby took squillions of dollars as deputy PM while illegally sitting in the House. was only elected a few months ago. How can he be eligible for 11 weeks of taxpayer-funded paid personal leave? Well... What sparked this need for privacy and personal leave? Ironically, it's news that Barnaby Joyce will be doing a tell-all interview with Channel Seven. There's a preview of what that interview will look like. That was released last night.
4: Their illicit love affair
1: rocked Australia.
6: Everything was worth it for this.
1: <laughs> now.
4: Vicky Campion comes clean. You can't help.
3: I can't help it. I... You can't help but you fall in love with. It. I failed. I failed. I failed. I failed. I failed. The Sunday
1: night exclusive, nothing off limits. What was it?
4: I can't
3: repeat the words. The people who tried to stop this baby being born. Political pressure. They said, if they, if you don't, They're going to come after you. I did. Meet her little baby at the center of it all. I would do anything to protect him. The only place to
1: see the interview Australia's talking about is exclusively on Seven Sunday night.
6: Seven reportedly is paying $150,000 for this fireside chat with Barnaby Joyce, his partner, Vicky Campion, and glimpses of their newborn son, Sebastian. It'll be broadcast this Sunday, but people are already asking questions about whether or not a politician or a politician's spouse should be allowed to accept payment For an interview, when he was asked about it yesterday, though, Barnaby Joyce said, she made me do it. That's right. He threw his partner, Vicky Campion, in the deep end and said it was all her idea. He said they'd been trying for privacy for months, but they've had drones fly over their house. They've been stalked by the paparazzi at airports. So if other people were making money off their story, why shouldn't they? And Barnaby Joyce has reportedly told colleagues that he'll put the money into a trust for his newborn son. Well, I'll ask... Minister Kelly O'Dwyer, in a few minutes, if she stands by the comments she made yesterday, in some very strong words, she said that most Australians are pretty disgusted with Barnaby Joyce for taking money for the interview. But I want to know what you think. Hit me up with the hashtag BFOZ on Twitter. We've already got some tweets coming in. At Angry Exile says, don't care. Can we please stop hearing about him? Well, uh, good luck muting that on your timeline this week. Uh, we have also got one from at Miss Kelly Blair who says he's blaming his girlfriend for accepting the payment. It would be nice if Barnaby would accept responsibility for any of his actions and not blame everyone else. Well, I want to know what you think. Should we all just leave Barnaby Joyce alone like we left Brittany alone or... Does he have his right to privacy when he agreed to... Did he lose his right to privacy when he agreed to sell his story? Hit me up with the hashtag BFOzPoll. But I also want to know, are you actually even going to watch it? The media has been saying that the viewer numbers will be huge. But Energy Minister Josh Frydenberg said on our end this morning, he isn't going near it. He's busy. He's got other things to do. But now in international news... Ireland has voted to overturn its ban on abortion this week. That's right, around two thirds of almost more than three million voters chose to repeal the Eighth Amendment, which has kept abortion illegal in almost all circumstances. But you might not know this. In Australia, abortion is still a criminal offence in some states. I'll let my colleague, BuzzFeed reporter Gina Rushton, explain.
1: So on Friday, more than 3 million people in Ireland went and voted in a referendum on whether or not to repeal the Eighth Amendment, which is uh, the law that says that the unborn and the mother have equal rights to life. And an overwhelming majority uh, voted yes to repeal it, so Ireland's now going to legislate to regulate abortion. What's the situation in Australia? Um, In New South Wales and Queensland abortion is still in criminal legislation and there are efforts in both states to decriminalise it. Uh, We have safe access zones in some states which protect patients entering clinics from being harassed and intimidated by picketers and there are efforts in um, New South Wales in particular next week is going to vote on safe access um, zone legislation. So um, in states that don't have them, uh, patients are approached by picketers, handed um, pamphlets with medically inaccurate information, handed foetal dolls showing graphic images. We also have a situation in which women have to stump up hundreds of dollars at short notice um, in order to secure a termination um,
6: because there's not widespread public access to abortion. Amy Remekes, the political reporter for Guardian Australia, joins me. Amy, thanks so much for coming back to BuzzFeed, OzPol. You were such a success (laughs) last time. People want to hear more about OzPol and Beyonce, obviously. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, see if I can get some Rihanna in there today. (laughs) We just saw Rihanna uh, behind Gina Rustin in that abortion piece. Now, Amy, first up, big news of the day, Barnaby Joyce, I wanted to ask you, Is it time that we left Barnaby Joyce alone? Has the media been too harsh on him? Is that why he needs to take this personal leave? Look,
4: I mean, is it about us leaving Barnaby Joyce alone or Barnaby Joyce leaving us alone?
6: I mean, (laughs) like, the
4: man has not stopped speaking. He went on personal leave for four weeks when all of this news broke, completely understandable. Did interview after interview, standing in his kitchen with his bloody tea towel around his neck like he was a prize fighter, (laughs) never seen a tea towel before. (laughs) Then he's saying it's time to move on. He comes back it's time to move on it dies away next thing we know he's getting one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to do an interview and then saying oh no please the privacy like it's just it's just ridiculous and yesterday sitting in the chamber he just looked like a man who had just gone you know what i've gone too far i've made a big mistake I need to take some time off. So I'm glad that he's doing it. Do I think he will shut up while he's away?
6: No, I don't. Well, the last time that he took leave, before he lost the uh, Deputy Prime Minister job, I think he did an interview every single day, didn't he? Pretty much. And I think once this interview on
4: Network 7 airs, he'll be doing interviews about the interview. I don't think he can help himself.
6: (laughs) One thing I wanted to ask you is uh, we're nearing killing season. Mm -hmm. Barnaby's not going to be here next month, which is normally the height of killing season, which is June, July. Do you think this maybe is a saving grace for the for the Prime Minister? Will, will he be safe for one more month knowing that Barnaby Joyce isn't here to wreck and undermine him on the backbench? Well, he's still got Tony
4: Abbott, so <laughs> six of one, half a dozen of the other. But I do think, though, that the by-elections is probably going to give Malcolm Turnbull the biggest yep. breathing room with the killing season. And I think that apart from completely screwing Labor over with their national conference, scheduling them for July 28 gets him right to the end of... Of that sort of killing season and there's no party room for another couple of weeks if everything gets ruined so that's the only place where a vote that is the only place so i mean like what a surprise we're having (laughs) by-elections at the end of the killing season so i think it's given him a bit of breathing room
6: yeah because if they did topple him then they would have no chance in mayo at all, you'd think.
4: Well, I mean, I don't know how much chance they're going to have in mayo. I'm probably, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the people who think that Rebecca Styaki is probably going to get up. You can prove me wrong. It's on tape now, but um, <laughs> she I'm, is a Queenslander. She, She's yep. not
6: from South Australia. So. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. But, oh, I was born in Mount Gambia. So, you know, but no, I think that, I, I don't think it's so much mayo. I think it's Braddon and Longman mm. that they're really focusing the on. And foods, so, yeah. yeah.
6: All right, well, let's talk about Michaelia Cash. It was Michaelia Cash Day in Estimates yesterday. Mm -hmm. It was meant to be again today, but Mm -hmm. she has sent Zed Sizelja along in her place. Uh, Now, we've heard that the subpoenas have been reissued for the AW court case, but yesterday she was asked about the AW case. It has been seven months, Amy, and Mm -hmm. uh, let's take a look at what she said.
2: So I have asked you a question that's not been asked before, and I've asked, have you contacted the AFP to tell them that you understand that you're a witness Um, with evidence important to their investigation and that you're willing to assist them. Have you done that? Uh, Senator Cameron, I have answered that question by reference to the public interest immunity claim that Senator Colvin made last week, which was accepted by the relevant committee. Um, And again, though, the extent of my knowledge is set out in my Senate estimates transcripts, uh, along with responses I've given during question time. I have nothing further to add to that evidence.
6: Okay, Amy, it's been seven months since this all kicked off. There is an AFP investigation. There's an AW court case. McKellie Cash is still refusing to talk. When is enough enough? Is this getting ridiculous? It is complete and utter bullshit. Like, it's just,
4: you've done amazing work on this. I do have to say that. Like, it, it has been BuzzFeed and Atlas, which has, you know, led this. But the fact that I am still here talking to you about it seven <laughs> months later, it's giving me an eye twitch. And I'm sure it's giving a lot more people, like, a lot more than that. I mean, we have just heard that subpoenas have been reissued in... In the federal court case which potentially means that maybe the afp is starting to wrap up their investigation could, that
6: is what it could mean and i don't I think it is it, it, <laughs> so could it could mean, mean
4: and it could mean that you know that we're getting a little bit closer to finding out what went wrong uh the committee and estimates have just asked her to come back because she's not answering these questions so they've just issued a unanimous invitation to say <laughs> come on down uh i do think that this uh, strategy that they've had of completely ignoring it has done nothing but just undermine her and make her look like she's got something to hide. Well,
6: that's right. It's obvious, She's obviously been told to shut up mm-hmm. because uh, I don't see how answering whether or not you've had any contact with the AFP, done an interview, given a statement, any kind of contact at all... How would that impinge on the court case? It absolutely doesn't. On the investigation? It absolutely doesn't. It's just
4: a way of trying to, you know, like I do with my crazy, just put it under (laughs) the rug and just be like, I'll bring that back later. But, yeah, it's just a way of trying to hide it. And it's just – it is ridiculous because that's why we're still talking about it. Mm. If she'd come out and said, yes – you know, release a statement, the AFP have interviewed me, I cannot say anymore. It completely stops Labor from being able to ask these questions. We just say, yes, she's being interviewed. We all know that there's a court case. We all know that there is an investigation. Not talking about her role in it has just amplified it so much more than it needs to be.
6: So do you think that it's time that she potentially stood down?
4: Uh, I think we're getting to that point, actually. And I don't think it's even a reflection on anything that she has or hasn't done. I just Mm. think the fact that it's become such a distraction, like such a distraction
6: now, that she can't do her job. Well, that's what I find interesting is during the reshuffle that happened in December last year, uh, some people actually said that described her move from Employment Minister to Jobs and Innovation as a promotion. I actually think it was a demotion. I think that they split her responsibilities with Craig Laundie and gave her less to do, which is her reason for not being in front of Estimates today because it's not her portfolio responsibility, even though it all falls under employment. So (laughs) I wonder whether, I mean, could could they say face and demote her again? Can you demote another woman? from the front (laughs) yeah well there's that issue as well
4: I think I think Turnbull's completely stuck on this one I don't think he's going to be able to do anything because Mm. if he demotes her now or you know asks her to step down then that becomes like an even bigger story but if he keeps her on it's still going to keep rolling on so it's just yeah they can they've completely screwed themselves and it just goes to show once again that this government is so bad at politics they're just really really bad at it and i just i don't understand how you can get it wrong so often like go out and talk to people bring that stuff back, incorporate it into your strategy. It's not that hard.
6: Amy Ramikas, you haven't thrown in any references to Beyonce. I have not. I I failed. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks so much for joining me. Amy Ramikas from The Guardian Australia and you can keep up to date with her live blog on The Guardian website all of today. Now one of the biggest stories out of the budget was the government's decision to freeze the ABC's funding. The ABC haven't suggested anything where they think they could cut some tape but we hit the streets of Sydney to ask you if you could cut anything from the ABC what would it be?
4: doing is freezing the ABC's funding, they can live within their means like families do. I just don't understand it. No, I think it's wrong, totally wrong. It's great to have a um, commercial
1: free station that's not influenced by big business. definitely shouldn't be privatised and if that's where it's going I would be opposed to that.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Oh, that's a tough one. We really enjoy the cereals
0: they have on and the comedy. The comedy's great. Pepper the pig, because that's the one that government seems to want to keep for some extraordinary reason. So cut Pepper the pig.
4: As long as they don't touch mad as hell, I'm happy.
6: for Revenue and Financial Services. Kelly O'Dwyer is here now live with me in the BuzzFeed News bunker. I mean, it's a bit makeshift, but... It's pretty. It's pretty groovy. We're I have living to within say. our means. You right, are Kelly, well. So. That's good.
3: <laughs> you and government living within our means.
6: Now, before we get to the big super news and the productivity commission's report, I just yeah. wanted to ask you about the breaking news that mm-hmm. Michaela Cash, the jobs minister, has been reissued with a subpoena in right. the AWs case into the raids that happened in October last year. Right now, I just wanted to get an idea. Uh, she's. There's been a lot of pressure in estimates for her to answer questions. She's been refusing to talk about whether or not she's been interviewed by the AFP. Is this causing too much drama for the government? Is it time that the minister maybe took a step down from the front bench?
3: <laughs> well, I'm a big supporter of Michaelia's, Um And it must have broken in my way running up here to you. <laughs> so I, I haven't actually seen that news. But um, obviously, uh, during the Senate estimates process, Makata Cash, like other ministers, um, answer questions on behalf of the government. Uh, She's responsible for answering
6: questions in question time. But I think Uh, the issue here is that she isn't answering questions. And she's been asked, I think I counted 20 times yesterday as to whether she's been interviewed by the AFP and what is happening with the investigation. And she wouldn't answer. Well, I actually don't know the answer. So
3: if uh, if I could answer, you know, I would answer, but I don't know the answer. So I think,
6: unfortunately, Alice, that's probably a question that you're going to need to put to her. That's all right. I'll try and stalk her in the corridors later. All right, let's <laughs> talk super. Now, a big issue for young people, and I must confess, I did a survey of my friends last yes. night, and I have friends in their 30s mm. who have multiple super accounts yep. with just 50 100 $150 in them. That's right. Now, this is a huge issue for young people, I think because... You don't get access to your super until you retire so no one thinks about it. A lot
3: of people don't think about it and when they start their very first job, a lot of the time they're covered by an enterprise bargaining agreement so they're forced to put their money into a particular fund. They start a new job and they're again forced to put their money into a different fund and they accumulate multiple funds, multiple sets of fees, multiple insurance premiums. I was chatting to somebody last night and I also did the little quiz. And he told me that he had seven accounts wow. that after he heard the news about how much it could cost him in retirement, he consolidated. It's hundreds of all, thousands of dollars well, potentially. Well, for, for somebody who's starting out, it could be around about $400,000 in their ultimate retirement savings which is a really significant amount of money yeah so it's absolutely important for people to pay attention and it's very easy now because people can get online with um, my gov uh, through the ato they can see how many accounts they have and they can in fact consolidate them but we're going to make it even easier for them in the budget we're going to say if you've got an inactive account so if you haven't been putting money in because you've moved on to that next job and it's a low balance account so it's less than six thousand dollars we're going to 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 automatically put your accounts together through the Australian Taxation Office. So it can be in one account where you've got one set of fees, one set of insurance um, premiums that you're paying, and it can mean that you then get the benefit of all of that compounding interest that you would otherwise not be getting because you're paying all of those fees.
6: Now, this data matching system will be uh, information from the ATO, which I know caused a few hiccups recently with the robo-debt scandal that happened in a different, not your department, in the social (laughs) services, human services, Centrelink department. But is it the same technology that's going to be matching up? Can we... uh, how much of a guarantee do you have that they'll be able to find the right accounts to put the money yeah, in? Yeah,
3: so, so we know that they've got um, a very good understanding as to, to who you are um, and they've got a very good understanding as to what accounts you might have. Part of the issue has been that people, when they form new accounts can give uh, their full name, you know, one of their names. um, And so there can be a level of confusion. I have heard some really terrible stories about people who have been with the same fund, worked for different employers, but who have been given multiple accounts with the one fund, which again means multiple fees. Wouldn't it be all streamlined with a tax file number though? So the ATO are able to use those identifiers to be able to match people up. And that is exactly what they're going to be doing. Um, That will start, that will start as of the 1st of July next year because there needs to be a a lead-in time, a transition time. But we also need to make sure we get the legislation passed. And that's something that we're calling on the Labor Party to agree to straight away because of the benefit it will deliver to millions of Australians, particularly low-income earning Australians and younger Australians who are the ones who are often most ripped off by the system as it currently stands.
6: Well, we also had a question from Twitter putting your... Uh, Minister for Women hat on about uh, women who have uh, disrupted work. So if they uh, have to take time off or if they go on maternity leave, how will these changes affect them? Because I think one of the biggest issues for women is that they get stuck in these holding patterns.
3: So um, people uh, will be notified by their fund uh, that either they've got a low balance account and uh, that it could be transferred over. And so uh, they will have the opportunity to either make a very small payment in to keep it active, if that's what they want to do, or it can just automatically happen. Similar with insurance, that will be the same if they want to be able to keep their insurance. There's 13 months. And there have been a number of studies that have been done. Often people return if they're going to go back to work within that period of time. Uh, So we believe that the number of people who will be impacted uh, will be relatively small, but we also believe that funds have in fact got a duty and a responsibility to have these active discussions with their members. They say that they know their members, but they've actually got to talk to them, communicate with them and ask them, what is it that they want? Because so many funds, I think, forget that this money doesn't belong to them. It actually belongs to the individual and it should be working for them. We're also doing one other thing um, that I think you'd be interested in for women, uh, which is to make it easier for women who have time out of the workforce whether it's because they've had children or because they're caring for a relative to be able to make catch-up contributions on their superannuation. This is something that we announced with our tax changes two budgets ago, so that when you have the financial capacity to be able to make additional contributions, you can do that by rolling over the concessional contribution cap that you have right now,
6: which is up to $25,000 every year. So do you think that would make up for a woman being out of the workforce for a year or two to add in additional money? But that is, that's assuming yeah. that she earns an- enough That will
3: work work, um, particularly well for those women who have got higher incomes or who, for instance, um, uh, come into some money because of an inheritance or something like Mm. that. It will actually provide uh, additional flexibility for those people to be able to do it. Uh, But we also have protections for for women who are not on high incomes. The low-income super tax offset, for instance, for those women who would otherwise be paying a higher marginal uh, sorry, a lower marginal tax rate than the tax that would apply, the 15% tax rate that would apply on their superannuation. We make sure that they pay the lower amount of tax. Now,
6: we've got another question here from Twitter. Sarah Masting asks Why do business owners who have not paid superannuation to employees get an amnesty, yet Centrelink recipients who were possibly overpaid six years ago get threatened with criminal proceedings?
3: Right, I'm really pleased um, that I've been asked that question. Uh, There are a number of Australians out there who have not been paid their entitlements Mm. by their employer. Often uh, it's small and medium-sized businesses who are struggling with cash flow. And what they do is they use the superannuation guarantee payments that they should have paid to workers to try and keep themselves afloat, but it often Which leads to a business. Which is a crime, though, isn't it? Totally a crime, absolutely a crime, and it's wrong. It shouldn't happen, and the government has been absolutely categorical about that. What we want to do is we want to make sure that the ATO not only continue to go after those employers who are mm. doing the wrong thing and hit them with massive penalties, but we've also said to those businesses, if you have done the wrong thing, you have a small period of time to come forward, to fess up to say we're going to make good every single payment that we owe our employees plus interest so that the worker themselves gets access to the superannuation that they have been denied. And instead of the government um, getting an additional penalty payment um, from the company, we're going to waive that so that we can turbocharge the right payments being made To get the money to, to the people, Is there a cap
6: on how much people can... If a business comes forward and says whoops, I've have accidentally haven't paid $5 million worth yeah. here. Is there, is there some kind of... I guess the, the question is based so about hypocrisy and whether why businesses should be able to get away with, well, we're not, with committing a crime. Well,
3: well, um, those businesses that don't come forward will be hit with really tough penalties. And more than that, um, we're the first government to, to basically say we're going to put people in jail for not yeah. making their payments to their workers that they should. But it's a carrot and stick approach. Yeah. We want to turbocharge... Money getting to people, getting in their accounts, and we anticipate that through this amnesty, there are around 50,000 people who will get up to 230 million dollars that they otherwise might not get as quickly. And we think that it is right to do that so that they can get access to that money very quickly. We do sort of similar things um, in the tax space as well, where we've said people who've had, you know. Um, Tax issues need to come forward and fess up. Otherwise, they're going to be hit with high penalties. Those people who don't fess up, they're going to have high penalties, be hit with those penalties and could, in fact, face jail.
6: So if someone comes forward in the amnesty and says, I did something wrong. Here you go. We'll fix it all out. I won't get any kind of punishment. And then, say, we've got 13 months of the amnesty, say, six months later, come back and get us said, Oh, actually... I've done it again. No, Will they face a penalty the second time? They will absolutely
3: face a penalty.
6: right, that makes sense. Now, uh, we've got another question here, another Minister for Women hat. Uh, We had a report earlier about Ireland overturning the ban on abortion over the weekend. Uh, Most people don't realise, but it is still a criminal offence in two states in Australia. Mm. As the Minister for Women, do you think it's time that we... Decriminalised abortion across the country?
3: I, I don't know why it would be a criminal offence in those states. Um, I, I think that my personal view on this particular issue is that um, women should have a right to choose, and I believe that uh, we shouldn't have criminal laws on the state books that would actually deny women that choice. Um, so I think. Uh, For those states, they ought to look very carefully and very closely at the laws that they have, and they should perhaps get around to doing something about it.
6: Do you think, uh, obviously, it is a state or territory issue, but as Mm. the federal minister, can you put a bit of weight on them, saying it's 2018, maybe it's time that we update these laws?
3: Well, look, I have dialogues with my counterparts in the states and territories. I'll continue to do that. Um, there are lots of discussions that we have over a whole range of issues. I'll continue to do that, and I think this is one of those issues that will no doubt be a, a strong focus for many of them.
6: Now, finally, I have to ask you about the big news of the day. Barnaby Joyce, he's announced that he's taking some personal leave. I thought made... it was going to be something else, like <laughs> it was your birthday or something. <laughs> no, no, not this week. Now, you made some very strong statements yesterday saying that you didn't agree with the money payment. Is is one of the reasons that Barnaby Joyce has gone on leave because he's been copying criticism from his colleagues?
3: Look, I don't know the reason and I'm not going to sort of go into some hypothesis as to why it is he might have taken leave. I I totally get being um, someone who's been in the parliament, who's had two children whilst in the parliament, that um, people of both genders mums and dads, would want to spend time with their newborn children. I get that. He did call and, for an end to
6: maternity leave
3: uh, uh, Yeah, well, you know, look, um, he, he might he might have a newfound view on, on these sorts of things. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe that's a question that you can put to him. So yep. look, I, I, I wish him all the best. Um, I certainly don't resile from the comments that I made. You know, I don't think politicians should be paid for media interviews. Certainly you're not paying me, Alice, <laughs> for this interview. We don't have, have the
6: budget. I mean, look around. Look around. <laughs> and and frankly, you know, I think it's a slippery slope if if that happens. But do you think it's uh, potentially a sigh of relief for the government to have him out of the picture potentially for over killing season, as they like to call the next few months of parliament. Uh oh, well, um, I, I, I take it at face value,
3: um, which is that you know he's he's going to spend some time with his family, and you know, I, I wish him
6: the best. Well, Minister, thanks so much for joining us here on BuzzFeed Ospol, and we will be back in a few minutes with the best of your tweets hit me up hashtag bF AusPoll.
2: I asked the Prime Minister. If you are so confident about your view of fight back, why won't you call an early election? The, the answer for is him, because
1: I want to do you slowly. You're so macho. Twice you've had a chance to take the opposition leadership. Now, when I told our caucus last year that you were a low-altitude flyer, I, I was that. right, wasn't I? just Howard being Howard, isn't it, you know? The little desiccated coconut's under pressure and he's attacking anything he can get his hands on. And as far as you're concerned, unless you're scripted, you're useless. I mean, half of the former Queensland Cabinet is in jail. Just a Commodore Garden conservative right-wing hack. Mr. Speaker, unless he's in with a question in his hand written by someone on his staff, He's useless! Poor old Costello, he's all and no iceberg.
6: Are you accepting it? No, of course no. not. Rubbish! Mr
1: Order. Speaker, give him a valium. So give him we, a valium,
2: Mr Speaker, he needs He's already
1: dead! I mean, if Tony Abbott ends up the Prime Minister of Australia, I mean, you've got to say, God help us. God help us. You fraud! You disgraceful, disgusting fraud!
6: With me now in the BuzzFeed News bunker is Rachel Baxendale from the Australian and Miles Morgan from SBS. Guys, thanks so much. I know it's been a very busy morning. I feel like <laughs> you have literally run to get I'm in running here. Running heels
0: from all parts.
6: <laughs> <laughs> First up, to be here. let's talk about Barnaby Joyce. So uh, we've had the news today that he's taking some personal leave. Rachel, you wrote about this in the Australian today. Do you think it's is it because of the criticism he's received over the paid interview? Has it all become too much? What are the reasons that he's decided to go and leave?
0: Look, I think that has put immense pressure on him and that's got to be the reason why he's made this decision. Um, Obviously, no official reason was given. Uh, He's been granted leave by the Nationals' whip, Michelle Landry. Uh, And um, interestingly, yesterday he was um, forecast... Well, he, he said that he was planning to have a meeting with... Uh, with um, the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. That meeting actually didn't end up going ahead Um, and then it was announced that he was taking leave. So quite interesting, not especially surprising. I don't think their relationship these days is particularly Well, you yeah, know, the Prime
6: Minister said this morning that he wasn't aware that this leave had even been requested.
0: Mm. Indeed, indeed. We sort of... I was um, on the news desk late last night and we rang the Prime Minister's office and they sort of referred us to the Nationals, really, because it was a decision that was made by the Whip. So, um, yeah, quite interesting. But um, certainly the pressure has been on Barnaby since news of this $150,000 interview broke, um, and of course, we've seen excerpts of it. It's going to screen on Sunday night, and you can only really see that pressure amping up between now and when it does screen. So, mm. like, yeah. I thought it was understandable. An interesting he's got decision. a new baby. Understandable that yeah. it probably would be a good time to take some leave. <laughs> well, as
6: I was talking to Kelly O'Dwyer about, he didn't believe in maternity leave about a year ago. So, it's good to see he's changed his mind for his new son, uh, Miles. I wanted to ask. He made a very public entrance to Parliament yesterday. He mm. decided to come in through the public car park. He mm. could have come in through any of the other entrances and avoided mm. the media. What Do you think it's hypocritical he's asking for privacy when mm. the, he's being paid for an interview? He's purposely doing yeah. doing walks around the building in front of cameras?
5: Yeah, look, it's a it's a fair point. And look, nothing happens in Parliament by chance, rarely, especially mm. entrances. Uh, you can choose where to enter the building and how you want to do it.
6: Yeah, unless uh, you hide behind a whiteboard. Yeah,
5: unless you, there's a whiteboard around. <laughs> yeah. But you have to remember, this is a politician that came out, uh, I think it was earlier this year, and publicly criticised his boss, the Prime Minister, saying um, his comments on the whole issue were inept and unnecessary. So for that man to now be claiming he wants his privacy, um, I think rubs some people the wrong way because they think, well, what was good for you now that wasn't good for you then, or vice versa? Um, He has been claiming he's been stalked by the paparazzi drones flying over his home. Look, I think everyone's entitled to their privacy uh, and there's a limit to what people can cop. Uh, he's obviously made a decision that now is the time to take a step back, um, but at the same time, this this tell interview with his wife and new son, uh, like like uh, I think someone was saying yesterday, just doesn't pass the pub test, and I'm sure mm. it won't for, for many people.
6: Well, I was trying to think in terms of book deals. Every politician mm. in this building has mm. had a book deal, wants mm. a book deal. It's all anyone thinks about trying to get yep. their ideas out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Barnaby's working Surely. on a book advance. Well, he exactly yes. <laughs> is. He is. Yep. Yes. So much calls for privacy. On the um. weatherboard and iron. <laughs> People in the weatherboard and iron. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there any comparison to be made between getting a book deal and a book advance to doing a interview on TV? It's just. We haven't seen the TV interviews, but we mm. see book deals practically every week. Yeah,
0: yeah, look, really interesting question. I hadn't thought about it like that. And I guess it is, you know, a book is a form of someone being paid, you know, I guess it's cash for comment in some mm. in, in some circumstances. But I think it's a bit of a different medium. Often it is, it gives a politician an opportunity to sort mm. of really um, put their kind of political philosophy out there for the public to read. I think the public benefits from it. Uh, in that sense, and yes. I guess the other thing I'd point out is that no one, particularly not politicians, makes 150 grand from a book deal these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I've looked at some of the book stats. I don't think
6: they're making any money at all. Um, uh, yeah, I guess the, the kind of follow-up question to that is, should we be banning politicians from giving these sorts of interviews because it's caused this much of a stir, or is this just a phenomenal... Mm. Publicity campaign by Channel 7. And should we all just give them a big thumbs up
5: for for garnering up interest? Channel 7, they've obviously been working on this for months to secure this, and I think it will be a ratings winner, judging by all the, uh, the commentary about it so far. But the idea of a politician receiving money... Politician who was supposed to be, who was elected to be accountable to the public, in any mm. case, um, and he is earning
6: two hundred grand a year. He's on a very mm.
5: healthy salary <laughs> as it is. So the idea that he'll be receiving money, I know he's saying it was uh, Vicky uh, Vicky Campion's idea. I still don't think that passes the sniff test. In that, a politician who we've elected to be accountable for free, or we are paying his salary in any case, is now getting effectively one hundred percent extra. Um, to do an interview with the media in a, an open democracy like Australia. just uh, I think it will rub a lot of people the wrong way. And I think, honestly, they could have avoided this, um, if they'd done an interview while, um, while Vicky was pregnant, um, if she'd come out and done a, a bit of a tabloid spread or something, rather than going through the, the mess of all the, the paparazzi and the stalking. So there's no. Right. They
6: could have done a sit-down, take some nice photos of us. Yeah, We'll explain our story. Yeah, Could have wrapped it up in a look, week. And
5: look, far be it from me, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a parent or anything, far be it from me to tell someone how to do their pregnancy. But it just feels like it would have taken a lot of the political heat and it wouldn't be so politically toxic uh, like the situation we're in now.
6: All right, I wanted to ask one final question before we wrap up. It is about Super Saturday, the big, huge by-election, 28th of July. We are week one into, what is it, a nine-week campaign?
0: Yeah, eight yeah, or yeah, nine longer, weeks. It's yeah, long time. Longer than the 2016 election <laughs> campaign,
6: which <laughs> was long. And in the Australian today, we've already had the Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, come out and say... They're doing MediScare again. Mm. It is back. Are we mm. really going to suffer through another nine weeks of MediScare? Well, Miles, the, what do you think? I think
5: MediScare was obviously a winner for the coalition last year. It probably uh, contributed to them winning the election in, in casting that MediScare aspersion on Labor. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's especially but true in politics. Will people fall for it again? It's hard to say. I think I would give uh, voters... I think you've got to treat them uh, with a bit more intelligence. Uh, so I think just uttering MediScare will not have the same impact that it did mm. before. Yeah.
6: But the story was about Labor's social media, which the government don't see. So are they jealous it, that
0: there's it, a better? What's, what's the situation? It was, look, it's Labor's social media and the, this um, topic also came up in question time yesterday. So effectively what's happened is last week, um, Bill Shorten was on the campaign trail in Longman with mm-hmm. Susan Lamb up in Queensland. They visited the Caboolture Hospital and he came out and said, look, this hospital's had a $2.9 million cut under the Turnbull government. MediScare, MediScare, vote Labor. <laughs> and um, and um, Catherine King, the health minister, asked a question about this in uh, question time yesterday. Um, Malcolm Turnbull really sort of went out on the front foot. He said, look, the Caboolture Hospital says that um, hospitals in that area have had a 53% increase in funding recently. Um, it is actually really difficult to work out. You know, there's kind of, the truth is kind of a bit halfway between the two. It's mm. actually really difficult. The the whole um, health funding area is quite complex. Um, I Actually, we had our um, the Australian's health editor, Sean Parnell, wrote an article today um, about the fact that basically um, health is funded largely by state governments, but mm-hmm. also a bit by federal yeah. governments. Mm-hmm. So this all comes down to a big fight between the Commonwealth and Labor governments. And um, the Commonwealth will actually be returning, I think it's $309.2 million to um, to the Queensland government from services that were provided in Queensland hospitals in the 2016-17 financial year on the 7th of June. So look, maybe that'll that'll help even things up. I don't I'm I'm not entirely sure. And look, the other stat that was interesting that Sean had in his article today is that um, Over the last few years, the um, tax to federal health expenditure ratio has risen. It's at 27% at the moment, but that's actually lower than um, what it was in 2009-2010 when Labor were in power, which was 28.7%. So, look, it's going to be an ongoing argument. Um, Voters are going to have to really sort of... Um, go through things with a fine-tooth comb as our journalists to work out who's telling the truth. But, yeah, I reckon we're going to see a lot more medisca.
6: All right, Rachel, Miles, thanks so much for joining us. And that is all that we have time for this week here in the BuzzFeed News Bunker on OzPol Live. We will be back when Parliament returns, which is not until next month, so a few weeks away. Of course, if you missed anything in today's show, they'll be up on at BuzzFeedOzPol and on my Twitter account at WorkmanAlice. That's all we have time for for now. Until next time, we will catch you on the timeline.